uh, been talking about the subject, can God be trusted? And from the message that I've received from the Lord this year for this church, it's apparent that the Lord is desirous of increasing our faith. Um, and as I ponder this topic of faith, it appears to me that there are different levels of faith. Uh, there's a faith that, you know, we come to know Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, and we can trust Him to take away our sins. And we can trust Him to get us to heaven. But then there's the faith where it's kind of like an everyday faith. Can I trust Him with my finances? Can I trust Him with the plans for the day. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I shared with regarding finances because this is a, a tremendous area for a lot of people in regards to can I trust God with my finances. And, and a, someone came to me yesterday and, and told me that uh, they determined they're not going to trust their credit cards anymore. They're going to trust God. Praise the Lord. And so in that trust, they've discovered that... In the, in, in the midst of a thing that God has opened up an opportunity of employment where this guy has wanted to work for the past nine years and continued to give application after application, and now he's going to go to work for the cheese factory. So praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's a tremendous blessing. Sometimes I get on a roll and I forget some things uh, that I should say. It's in my notes, but I don't say it. So I want to say this uh, because someone corrected me and I want to make that correction. Uh, it's okay to borrow funds for appreciating items. If you're want to borrow for a house, it's okay. All right, that's okay. Because the money is going to increase your, hopefully. Uh, if you do it at the right time, Things will increase and not decrease. So those are some things you need to pray about and get the mind of the Lord on. Uh, in regard, you know, even in businesses, and you could, sometimes if you want to increase and uh, enlarge your business, you may have to borrow some money to do that. But I would say again, trust the Lord, listen to Him, follow His direction. He will never lead you astray. Okay. So there's a different. Um, Different levels of faith for different things. Allowing the Lord to guide you daily is a different level of trust than trusting Him to protect you and provide for you. Trusting Him for physical, mental, or emotional healing is a different level of trust than maybe Trusting him for finances. Trusting him that when you are addressing demonic influences, that he's going to be with you and those spirits have to leave in the name of Jesus. That's a different level of trust as well. And all of us are in different places in our life. Every single one of us are in different places. If I were to ask you uh, on a scale of one to 10, how much faith do you have, it depends on what we're talking about in what area of faith. 
because some of you would be a 10 in some areas and some of you would be a, a, a three in other areas, okay? So what I believe the Lord is wanting to do for us this year is to increase our level of faith in every area, not just one area, in every area. And so what you're going to hear this year, I'm assuming is going to stretch some of you a bit because my studies are stretching me, okay? So today I just want to kind of share with you some of the things that I'm discovering in this area of faith. Um, so here's the thing, and you need to understand this. 2023, it's almost like we are in a race. And the race is to gain more faith. The goal, however, or the pursuit of that goal is not attained by pursuing faith, but it's, pertained by, it, it's obtained by pursuing God. Listen to this passage of Scripture. We find in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. Paul prayed for the church of Ephesus, and this is what my prayer is for this church as well. I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and in the revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which you brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. So here's the thing. The greater we know God, not know about him, but the greater we know him, the greater will be our faith. That's why faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Because the more you know of God and the more you can apply yourself to the knowledge of him, the more you're going to love him, the more you understand his love for you, the more trust you're going to have in him. We determined last week that God doesn't lie. We determined that God cannot lie. And we also found out that it is impossible to please God without faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Very important that we have a great understanding of God's word. So some people have no faith whatsoever. Some people have little faith. Some people have mediocre faith, and some people have great faith. What type of faith do you have? And what type of faith do you want? The faith is, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, Faith is 
the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Okay. The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now, and here's maybe a, an illustration. Let's just say a, a young couple gets married and their desire is to have a child. And they just know that they know that they know they're going to have a child. Even the, going to the doctor, the doctor said you're going to have a baby. And so they go ahead and they prepare the room. They go home, they paint a nursery, they get the crib, they get everything ready for a baby to come. Okay. Now, the seed of the baby is there, but the baby hasn't arrived yet. Right? So they see it in their mind's eye, they see it in their heart, and they know that they know that they know that they know that they're going to have a baby. And so they go ahead and get the room ready, even though they can't see it. Does that make sense? So whenever God drops a seed in our heart, and we know that we know that we know that we know that this is from God, we can begin to prepare for what He's already promised us in our life. We know it. And if we're faithful, regardless of what comes our way, we can know that God's going to come through regardless of what the world has, uh, whatever chaos goes on in the world. We just know it. We just know it. I, I think of Joseph. He had some dreams. He had some visions. He had some seed planted in his heart that he knew God was going to come through. He knew he was going to be a ruler one day of something. And he knew that his brothers and his dad were going to bow down to him. He knew that. He didn't know how it was going to come about. So even when the world came against him, even when he was falsely accused, even when he was put in prison, even when he was sold into slavery, he kept the seed that God had planted in his heart because he knew that he knew that he knew that he knew God was going to come through. Now, any time he could have bailed out, any time Satan could have snatched that away from him if he hadn't held on to it. But God had spoken to his heart. It was birthed in his heart, and he just hung on to that for dear life. And sometimes when those things happen, the world is going to, the enemy is going to try to steal that away from you. Satan's going to try to steal that away from you, but you can't allow him to steal it. I don't care where the circumstances are. I don't care what you're feeling at the moment. I don't care what your emotions are. You've got to just hold on and hold on and hold on and hold on because God is not a liar. He will never lie. He will never lie. Some of the men that you would think that would have great faith Jesus said had little faith. You remember the apostles? Um, they walked with Jesus. They ate with Jesus. They were under his teaching constantly. And yet, oftentimes, Jesus would tell them, O ye of little faith. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 27 through 27, so the disciples got in a boat. I didn't put the whole scripture up. The disciples got in a boat, and Jesus was with them, and Jesus got sleepy. 
And he decided, I'm going to get in the bow of the boat. I'm going to just kind of curl up under there so the waves won't come over me. I'm going to just curl up. He'd been teaching all day. He's just tired. He needs to rest. So he goes down and he gets in the bow of the boat. He goes to sleep. And while he's sleeping, and he must have been tired, really tired, because while he was sleeping, a storm came up. And man, they, the disciples were getting frightened. They were, the boat was rocking and, and they thought they were going to capsize. And man, finally they went and woke Jesus up. Jesus! We're going to have a wreck. We're going to drown. You've got to help us. And Jesus wakes up, probably a little groggy from not quite being quite awake. And he's a little perturbed at him. And he says, why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? Oh, you of little faith. And he got up. He rebuked the, rain, uh, the winds, the rain, and, and the sea became as calm as glass. Oh, ye of little faith. I, you know what? I, we pick on the disciples, but I would probably have been the same way. Okay? I would have been the same way. Help me. I still that way sometimes. Then another time in Matthew 16, 5 through 12, <clears throat> the disciples had gotten in a boat and... They forgot to bring a lunch. And Jesus was telling them, you need to be careful about the leaven. And they're looking around and said, did you bring a sandwich? Nobody brought their sandwich. And then Jesus said, guys, I'm talking to you about the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the things that they're teaching, you need to be careful about what they're teaching because they don't know truth and they're not teaching truth. So you have to be careful about what they're teaching. And then he says to them, guys, you of little faith, didn't we just have a big picnic and I fed 5,000 people? Didn't I just do that? So don't worry about a sandwich. Don't worry about your burger. Don't worry about it. Because I can provide for you. That should be the least of your worries. What I'm talking to you about, I'm not talking about eating a, a meal. I'm talking about you be careful what you Take in to your spirit. Be careful about that. O ye of a little faith. And then Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. There was a man who had brought a child, and we would 
if we were to look upon the scene, we would call it an epileptic seizure. Okay, but that's not what it was. It was a demonic spirit. Jesus, so there were nine disciples there because Jesus, John, James, and Peter had gone up to the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. And they were just coming down the mountain that there was a big commotion going on. And, they, and when they got there, they were wondering, what is all of this commotion about? And, and a fellow comes up and he said, man, I, Jesus, I brought my son to your disciples. And ever since he was a small child, Satan has been trying to kill him. Throw him in the fire, causing these epileptic seizures, what we would say, that's not what he said, but causing these seizures. And, and I brought him to your disciples, and they could do nothing to help him. When it seizes him, it throws him down, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. They couldn't cast him out. Jesus answered in verse 19 and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. So they brought him to Jesus, and Jesus cast out the demon. Now, this time when he cast out the demon, it was almost like the boy, he, he was, he was, looked like he was dead. He wasn't dead. But physically, he was just drained physically. And so, Jesus said to the dad, listen, verse 23, but 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So, would you say that with me? All things are possible to him who believes. Say it again. All things are possible to him who believes. Anything, everything, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, I'm not saying you just can believe anything you want to. Some of you might be believing that the 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl. Okay. Uh, Jim, are you believing for that? Yeah, okay, Jim's believing for that. So, you may be believing for that, but that's not what God is talking about, okay? It's not that you sit back in your lazy boy and just kind of meditate on the 49ers winning the Super Bowl. It's not going to happen. That may be a word of prophecy, I don't know. But... But you, you can't just make up stuff on your own and start believing it. You have to have the Holy Spirit drop some things in your heart. You have to know what God's Word says because He's not going... How many people do you think are praying for the 49ers to win? A lot of them. How many people do you think are praying, praying for the Chiefs to win? A lot of them. Who's God, whose prayer is God I going to answer? I think he enjoys football. I enjoy football. So I think he enjoys football. But 
I don't think he's going to answer those kind of prayers. You know, I, I, I know people who pray for the beavers to win every now and then, you know. And, so, we have to get the Spirit of the Lord in our spirit. And we need to trust what God says to us and then move in what God says. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? The birds, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So what did you get out of that? Don't worry. Don't worry. So what he's saying here is if you worry, if you have anxiety, if you are living in a stressful condition, then you, are, you have a little bit of faith, a little faith, not a lot of faith. You've got a little faith. Do you think God wants you to worry? Do you think he wants you to trust him? So let me ask you a question. How many of you are worried about something? Okay, all right, so this is an area that you need to grow up in with your faith, right? Whatever it is that's causing you to worry, God says, I've got it. I've got it handled. Now, we oftentimes worry about tomorrow. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. When it gets here, there's going to be plenty of problems for tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Sufficient for the day. He's the evil thereof. Don't worry about tomorrow. And a lot of times we project into the future and we're saying, man, what's going to happen when there's this big thing coming? What's going to happen when? Guess what? Let you down on something. Let you in on something. God is going to be there tomorrow. He'll be there tomorrow just like he's there today. Okay. He will be there. You can trust him to be there. Ask him, Lord, will you be there tomorrow? Lord, will you meet my need tomorrow like you met it today? What do you think he's going to say? Nope, I'm out of here. That's not the way God works. 
He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we don't have to worry. We can trust. Why do you worry when you can trust? Why do you worry when you can pray? God has a plan. And okay, so you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but it could be better than you think. It probably will be. Okay, so let's just trust Him to take us tomorrow and do for us what He promised He's going to do. You think? So let's trust Him. I want to look at, before we, in in closing, well, maybe not. Anyway, we're going to, I want to look at a man with great faith. Okay? Luke 7, 1 through 10. Jesus entered Capernaum. And there was a certain centurion who had a servant that was very dear to this centurion. Very dear to him. And he was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. He didn't send his own servants. He sent elders of the Jews. Okay. So this is a Roman centurion, a Roman soldier. And he's sending elders of the Jews to Jesus to ask Jesus for a favor for him. When they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. For he loves our nation. He's built us a synagogue. Kind of like a church. He built a church for these people, these Jewish people. Jesus went to the, with them. And when he was already and not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, he didn't even come himself. Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy that you should enter my roof, enter my home. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. Man, let that blow you away. I think it blew Jesus away. He had been with all of these other people who had no faith or little faith. And all of a sudden, there's this guy that's like, Jesus, all you got to do is just say the word, and my servant will be healed. He says, I'm a man placed under authority, and this is a key, okay? I'm a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found so great, such great faith, not even in all the land of Israel. Not even in all the people of Israel. I've not found such great faith. When those who were sent returned to the house, they found the servant well who had been sick. Now, if you look at that, the fellow explains why he knows Jesus can do what he does. And he says, I'm a man who's under authority. And because I'm under authority, I command those who are under me and they do what I say. 
And so he's saying to Jesus, Jesus, I know you are under the authority of God the Father. And whatever you say, sickness be gone, demons be gone, whatever you say, they have to be under your authority. They are under your authority. And so this guy was not, he's just saying, I know who you are. I know who you are. I know the authority you have. And all you have to do is speak the word, and that's the end of it. There's something about Jesus' name that has authority. As a matter of fact, he tells us when we pray, pray in Jesus' name, and it'll be done. And, And it has to do with that authority. This man had great faith. Listen, there's something about having faith for yourself and being able to walk without worry and understanding that God's going to provide for you, but there's something about having faith for someone else too. And having the ability to trust the Lord with that. George Mueller, you've probably heard of him. He was a great man of faith. I lived in the 1800s and he was concerned about all of the orphans in England. And so he determined he was going to build an orphanage for the kids, the orphans in England, and realized after a while that he had to build four more orphanages because he just wasn't able to house. He wanted to house, and he did house 2,050 orphans at one time at the end, plus the staff that it took to take care of them. But he had determined early on that he was not going to ask anybody for a penny. He was going to pray to the Lord and the Lord would deliver and bring the finances necessary. How much money would it take to feed 2,050 kids? I mean, my two two children ate a lot. But you're talking 2,050 kids every day, every day, every day, every day. And God supplied their needs. He did that in miraculous ways. Uh, you could get his book, uh, Prayers, Prayers Answered by George Mueller, and or Prayers Answered of George Mueller. Um, one, well, one, I'm just going to leave you one because we could be here all day talking about that. But one day they didn't have any food. And so all the children, he had the children sit around the table and and they always led in prayer and blessing over the food and said, we're, not, we're just going to bless the Lord for the food. And thank him for it. Well, there's no food. Well, we're going to pray anyway. We're going to just bless the food. And so while they were praying, a knock came at the door and went to the door and the horse and carriage. And what the fellow said, listen, I had this uh, catering to do for this wedding, but I cannot find the address. And so I'm going to just, I need you to take this food and because uh, it's going to ruin before I get there. And so they had a feast that day. But every day, every day, every day, God would provide either the finances or the food or whatever it took for 2,050 orphans plus staff. That's incredible. Only God can do that. But he had such great faith, he was able to move mountains to take care of the orphans. His heart was just heavy for the orphans. And I tell you what, if God puts something on your heart, 
don't let, don't try to figure it out. Don't try to look in your piggy bank and see how much money you have to make it work. Okay? Just start moving and see what God does. God wants people of faith, not people who have good figuring abilities. Okay? So just trust Him in the walk. You will be amazed at what God does through your life. When you trust Him. If you could do it yourself, there wouldn't take a lot of faith to make it happen. God wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. So there's a seed, perhaps it's being planted in your heart. You need to go ahead and prepare because the baby's coming. Okay, just prepare. Just prepare because the baby's coming. Father, I come before you today and I thank you for your word. Lord, there's so much you want to do in us. This group of faithful believers, Lord, there's so much you want to do. And so, Lord, I'm asking you tonight, today, that, Lord, you would just, Lord, there's some here, even while I was speaking, you reminded them of something that you wanted them to accomplish. And so, Lord, I pray that today they would step out and Start preparing for what you have. Lord, some today, perhaps they have known about you, but Lord, they need to know you. They need to know you through Jesus Christ. They need to repent of sin, come to you, and lay down their lives at your feet and let you begin to guide them because you have wonderful plans for them. Plans for good and not for evil, to give them a future. Yes. And to hope. Lord, oftentimes we think of faith all about us. What do you want to give me? What do you want to do for me? But Lord, it's really about everybody else and what we can do for them as an act of faith. Because you compel us. Lord, grow us up in faith. Yes. Teach us to know you even more than we do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.